Hi there, and thank you for tuning in to the following message provided by Renewed Church. We pray that this message will be a blessing and encouragement for you. For more information about our church, please visit www.renew.miami. Welcome to Renew Church. My name is, uh, is Mikey, man, and thank you guys. We are in the middle of a series that we're calling Word, and we're just camping out. We're digging into the book of Philippians, and so uh, today we're going to be focusing on Philippians 3, um, and with that said, we're going to talk about the Barbie movie. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going <laughs> to... Stop. Stop. Barbenheimer, that's what they're calling it now? I don't know. Whatever. Let's get back to the Word. How about that? Um, no, but thank you guys for being here, man. It's going to be, it's going to be an amazing time. Uh, let's get into Philippians 3.12 uh, just for a second. It says this, Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Would you pray with me? God, we, um, God, we just pray that you would allow your word to speak, God. Um, God, use me. Help me to be a good steward of just being able to communicate your word. And I just pray that, um, God, that you would be glorified in this, God. Help me. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. So, Lionel Messi, anybody? Who's excited about that? Hey, there we go. We got three sports fans in here. Great. My analogy is going to go over great today. Awesome. All right. No, but if you don't know Lionel Messi, you know, soccer superstar, like debate me after, but like Messi is, he's the greatest of all time, right? Like Messi, he's that guy. He's actually playing for Miami. He's playing for Inter Miami, the, the MLS soccer team here in our city. And so it's kind of a big deal. People are excited. And if you saw the game, just storybook ending like Messi, superstar, everybody's excited. The guy wins the game on a penalty kick, no time left on the clock, just like in basketball terms, he hit a buzzer beater, basically. It's like if you got Michael Jordan and in his first game, he ends it on a buzzer beater. Like it was crazy, it was awesome. Like people are saying that we are in the golden era of Miami sports. And it took me a second to like agree, but I'm like, wait, you know what? Like, yeah, Messi is in Miami. Like that's a big deal, right? Like. You know, the, the Dolphins have been doing pretty good, right? Like, like, I mean, go Cowboys, but, like, I got to give respect to the Dolphins. Like, you guys are looking good, right? Like, the Marlins are actually looking like they're going to make the playoffs this year. Like, what is going on? The Heat were just in the finals. Like, yeah, there's a lot. The Panthers, right, made it to the, to the Stanley Cup finals as well. So, like, yeah, I think we are in, like, a golden era of Miami sports. Like, a lot of our teams are, are doing really good. And so... The team that, that I like the most, though, is the Miami Heat. I grew up uh, just watching the Miami Heat. I was a fan pretty much since birth. That's my team. That's who I ride with. And um, as a kid, it's just like, that's your favorite team because, you know, that's the, the team in your city and whatever. But as I've gotten older, I've been able to appreciate something a little bit more about the Miami Heat than just the fact that they play in Miami. Who's heard of the term heat culture? You guys familiar with that term, heat culture, right? It's this, this idea that the Heat do things a certain way. Like there's a, a certain expectation, there's a standard, there's a, there's a culture, right? And a lot of like the, the national media thinks that it's just like some like cheesy slogan or, you know, just like to sell shirts or whatever. But the Heat really believe that they have a unique and specific culture. Like 
heat culture, being a part of the heat, being a contributor to the heat, it's not for everybody. Like there are players that they look at and they say, I don't care how good you are, you don't fit our culture. Like it's not for everybody. This, this, this culture of like sacrifice and, 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 and hard work and persevering and all of that, like some guys in the NBA, they just want to like play ball, cash a check and that's it. They're like, yeah, I don't really want to do all that extra stuff. Like the heat, they, they, have a, they have a physical fitness test to be on the team. Like that's how dedicated and serious these guys take it. And I feel like last season was heat culture personified. Like so maybe you're aware, maybe you're not, but like the heat almost didn't make the playoffs. They had a very like average season, right? Pretty below par. Almost didn't make it. They sneak into the playoffs and these guys made it to the NBA Finals. Like, when everything looked bad, right, like their circumstances were, were bleak, not a good season, they didn't have, like, top 10 players, right? Like, they had guys that, that ESPN didn't even know who, that they existed. Shout out Gabe Vincent and Max Struess, right? Like, ESPN was like, no, these guys barely made it into the playoffs. They're gone in the first round. They're the eighth seed. They're literally the last team to make the playoffs, and they're playing the number one team, the, the best team with the best record. ESPN looked at it and was like, yeah, no, this is, there's no way this team's going to have a chance. But then the Miami Heat said, nah, baby, we got culture, right? Like, when, when, when everything around us looks bad, yeah, okay, we had a pretty bad season. I'll, I'll give you that for sure. But guess what? We're going we're gonna to put this thing together. We're, we're going to buy in. We're going to work harder than anybody else. And we believe that we're going to get something done. And what happens? They made it to the NBA Finals. Pretty much because of heat culture. That idea of like, it doesn't matter what's going on around us. We still have a job to do and we're going to work harder than anybody else. And, and we're going to find joy even in the adversity. Because that's what heat culture is, right? Like, the Miami Heat, they value character over appearance. They don't care if you're like the five-star prospect or they don't care if you how many MVPs you won they don't care about that they care about character like when when things don't go your way how are you going to respond to that like are you are you willing to die for the loose ball are you willing to put everything on the line for the net for the man next to you like that's what the heat care about oh okay great five-star prospect okay awesome great uh yeah no you, you don't you don't have the character that we're looking for you're just worried about yourself he don't care about accolades. They don't care about MVPs and all-stars. They just care about doing the right thing and committing to their culture. And it was so evident that ESPN had no idea what was going on through the playoffs. Like, as a Heat fan, you're just watching ESPN frustrated because we beat Milwaukee, who was literally the best team in the NBA. They had the best record. We beat them in five games. And instead of like, wow, this Miami Heat team's pretty good at doing something, ESPN made it about... Well, you know, the, the Bucks, they really just, they, they beat themselves, really. And I'm like, man, okay, so second round comes around, we're playing the Knicks, I'm like, okay, maybe they'd give us some respect. Nope, nothing, right? Yeah, no, Miami beat Milwaukee, they got lucky, the Knicks are probably going to take care of them. We beat the Knicks! You would think by then, Miami would say, wait, no, guys, actually, I think Miami's good. No, we played Boston. Same thing, they're picking Boston over Miami, the Heat beat them anyways. So, they didn't understand. Like ESPN, they couldn't compute what was happening. This team that didn't have the All-Stars, that didn't have the MVPs, that had a, a, a very par season, below par season, was making stuff happen and beating teams in the playoffs 
they couldn't wrap around it because ESPN, they're used to just seeing things on the outside. What's the appearance of this? Oh, okay, they have like some top guys. and Okay, they have an MVP candidate. Oh, okay, like, like that's what they see as success. But the Heat, they don't care about that. that those things are, are just things to the Heat. What, what, what matters is what are we going to do when our backs are against the wall? Like that's the Heat culture mindset. They love adversity. The Miami Heat love adversity. Like, as a matter of fact, they find joy in adversity, right? They, they feel like they're playing for something bigger than themselves. It's not about personal, you know, accolades or, or achievement. It's about the team, right? The team is trying to do something. And so that's something that I respect and I love, and, and it makes me proud to be a Heat fan because I really have an appreciation for that, that Heat culture. So as sports fans, we have like these fantasy bookings that we do like in our head, right? Like, man, I wonder how Michael Jordan would have played against, you know, LeBron and like all of these like fantasy things that we never know. We, we never, we know that they would never actually happen. I have a weird one. Um, I feel like if Apostle Paul was the coach for the Heat, we'd be a dynasty. Like, seriously, the Apostle Paul as the head coach for the Miami Heat is trouble for the NBA. But we'll never get that. But the reason I feel that is because I feel like Paul was heat culture. Like Paul exemplified that like character over appearance, like bring on the adversity, like I'm living for something bigger than myself. Like Paul was heat culture. Let's change the verbiage. Paul was kingdom culture, right? He didn't care about outward appearances, how things look like. Okay, great. Loved adversity, like I said. And so that's what really we're going to be unpacking today is kingdom culture. What does it look like to be a kingdom person? What, what is the, the way that we do things? And Paul, he gives this, he, he teaches it for us perfectly in Philippians 3. So before we get into the text, I'm just going to give you some, some context. If you want a theology word for the day, this is called exegesis. Um, but this is what we're doing. So the background of Philippians, why Paul is writing and this is what's happening in Philippians. Paul, he's writing this letter from prison. It's an unknown reason as to why he's in prison, but knowing Paul was probably for preaching the gospel. Um, and he's not writing to the Philippians to rebuke them. Like, he's not writing to correct them. Paul was known for doing that. Like, if a church got a letter from Paul, they were like, uh, they were like all stressed, like, oh, here we go. Like, but he's not doing that. He's writing because to actually encourage them. The Philippian church, they were a good church. They were disciplined. They were, they were getting their, their stuff together. Like, they were actually doing pretty well but he just wants to remind them of joy. Like, you know when you get so disciplined and so like in your thing, it's just kind of monotonous and it's just like you're just going through the motions. He wanted to just remind them of the joy that we need to have. And so joy is Paul's main theme throughout the entire book of Philippians. And it's ironic because he's telling them about joy while he's in prison, right? And so, but they would know that Paul is a guy who, who practices what he preaches, like, they would know the story of Paul being imprisoned for casting out a demon. It's actually a hilarious story. They're, like, preaching and doing, like, a tour, and this, this, this girl who's possessed by a demon is following them and kind of heckling them at all of their stops. And Acts says it this way. It says, Paul was annoyed. Like, Paul's like, yeah, sakao, like, get out, you're gone. Like, it's, yeah, right? He was annoyed, cast the demon out. It causes a scene, obviously, um, and the people see what's going on, and they're like, yeah, I think we got to beat this guy up. So they jump Paul and Silas, they throw them in prison for making, you know, uh, this public thing happen, 
and, and, and in there, Paul ends up leading the guard to Christ, saves the, the whole guy's family. They become believers. So like Paul was, was finding joy even in prison. So like the Philippians know like this guy, he, he practices what he preaches. He's not just saying stuff that sounds cute. Like, oh, you got to have joy. No, no, no. Paul's living this thing out. Like they know he means what he says, right? And the thing is that like joy is not determined by external circumstances. That's something Paul lived out. Joy is not determined by external circumstances. But rather, Christian joy will come from the right perspective about this life. Christian joy will come from the right perspective about this life. Phroneo is a Greek word, it means to think. And it's used more in the book of Philippians than in any other letter of Paul. It appears nine times. This idea to think. Paul says it in 17. he says, it is right for me to phroneo this about you. It is right for me to think this way about you. Paul is trying to teach them that right feelings come from right thinking. Right feelings come from right thinking. And so Paul is going to lay out kingdom culture in Philippians 3, so let's get into it, verse 2. He says, look out for the dogs. What? Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh, for we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Mikey, why'd you start this off with a verse about circumcision? Because I did. Um, what's going on here? What is Paul talking about? He's saying, so there was these people in the church, in the Philippian church, they were a Gentile uh, place, in other words, non-Jewish, right? But there were these Jewish people who were coming into the church, and they were trying to add to the gospel. They were saying, no, 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 no. It's not just enough to believe in Jesus. You have to be circumcised like us Jews, and then you will really be saved, and then you will really be spiritual, right? They're, they're adding to the gospel, and Paul calls them dogs, He's like, yeah, no, so you're actually being a dog, and, and no, that's not what we're going to do here. Like, like, this is, they were putting their confidence in, the, in, in their flesh. In other words, they were putting their, their confidence, their, their weight, their, their pride, right, was in, their, in, in themselves, and the things that they did and, and didn't do, and the things that they deemed as, as, as righteous and spiritual and so on and so forth. And Paul is quick to say, yeah, so no. You think that's spiritual? Great. You're mutilating the flesh. That's how I see it. Like, and, and he's not condemning them for doing it. Like, if you were Jewish and you wanted to do that and you had reason and whatever, dude, go ahead. Absolutely. Praise the Lord. But don't now make this a, a gospel requirement for people who aren't even Jewish. Like, what, what, are, what are we doing here? Like, you're, you're adding to the gospel. So, call, so Paul, he calls that out and he's telling the Philippian church, like, yo, don't don't succumb to this. Like, don't, don't, don't take that. Reject that, right? We don't put our confidence in our flesh. Our confidence, our, our righteousness doesn't come from what we do, right? That, that's what Paul's trying to say. It comes from, from Jesus, right? So the first point is don't add to the gospel. If we're going to be kingdom people and live a kingdom culture, don't add to the gospel. Keep it pure. And he continues in verse 4. He says, Though I myself have reason for confidence in this also. So let's pause there for a second. 
He's like, so, first of all, your righteousness, your goodness doesn't come from your own works, first of all. But if we're going to play this game, let's play this game. You think you're good because of, because of what you do? Okay, great. Let me tell you about what I've done in my life. Like, he, he's rejecting this idea, but he's, but he's saying, okay, if you want to play this game, let's play it. Let's, 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 let's compare what I've done in the flesh compared to you. Okay, so he says, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I actually have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. In other words, he comes from one of the, the most iconic Hebrew cultures, Hebrew tribes. So he's like, so if you want to brag about something in the flesh, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm from this tribe and I was, you know, uh, circumcised on the eighth day. As to the law, I was a Pharisee. So like, in other words, to, to Jewish religion, I was the, the, the top leadership that you can possibly be. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. So like these, these, these Christians came on the scene and the Pharisees were persecuting the church and, and they were doing it for their, their Jewish religion and tradition. And Paul was saying, yeah, I was like the best at that, actually. Oh, and, 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 and as, of, as to righteousness, yeah, under the law, yeah, I was blameless. I was doing everything that our Jews said was, was, was right and perfect. I was blameless under that. But here's his conclusion. But whatever gain I had, I counted it as loss for the sake of Christ. In other words, you want to put your worth and your value and your righteousness in those, you know, outward things that look good and, and all of that stuff? Okay, great. I was better. And guess what? It amounted to nothing. Nothing in comparison to Christ Jesus. And so the point that he's trying to get across here is don't be self-righteous. Don't put your confidence in, in yourself and what you do and what you don't do and, 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 and do not be self-righteous because this is character over appearance. It's like heat culture. Like it, it doesn't matter what things look like from the outside if you have accolades and success and, and you seem super moral and great and okay, fine. When, when, when life is hard, how do you respond? Like that's, that's what we care about more. Like, like, like when, when you're in the worst trial of your life, where are you turning to? Like, what's your character like in those difficult situations? Like, all the, the accolades and the appearances, that, that, it's not going to do anything for you when life hits, because life, life hits. Are, are you catching what I'm saying here? It's character over appearances. The appearances are great, fine, who cares? But, but what's your character like when it comes to it? And so Paul continues in verse 8. He says, Indeed, I count everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. In other words, all of the success, all of the accolades, all of the respect that I was getting from people, all of the status that I had, I count it as a loss because of the surpassing worth. In other words, the, the, the way more valuable thing, which is knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He says, for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. I count them as garbage in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Paul lost everything. Literally, like him becoming a Christian, 
He lost everything. All of his status, all of his accolades, like he lost everything. And he counted it as gain. Like what's happening there? He lost everything. In a worldly perspective, you look at Paul, guy's crushing it. Successful. Like has favor with men. People love him. But he lost it all because of his faith in Jesus. And he said, wow, I've actually gained. Like that was his conclusion. I actually gained something. Because none of it matters compared to knowing Jesus. Look at Paul's life. Like, look at his life. He lived this out. Like, you can compare him to, like, a, I don't know, Logan Paul or whatever, right? Like, teenage boys love that guy, right? Like, in a worldly perspective, guy's successful, great businessman, guy's making a ton of money, social media influencer, like, the guy is crushing it. But what's his character like? like where's his heart? Is Jesus Lord for him? Because you look at Paul, and the world will look at Paul and say, this guy's a loser. He gets beat up almost every day. He's thrown in prison. People can't stand him. But he's saying that he gained something. Like, what do we value? As, As kingdom people and in a kingdom culture, what do we value? Do we value the the Logan Paul stuff? Or can we see that even in Paul's situation, as it may look horrible, God is doing something in that. And and that is more valuable than anything that we can get from from over here. If we don't value the things of God, we won't experience the joy of God. If we don't value the things of God, we won't experience the joy of God. What do I mean by that? Paul was in prison, probably hadn't eaten in a few days. On the outside, it's like, yeah, dude, that sucks. But Paul led a a Roman guard to the Lord and his family. He's looking at that and saying, I'm fed. I, I may not have eaten in a few days, right? It smells in here. This guy just took a crap. And I don't even know who he is. He might kill me. But I'm excited because this Roman soldier just got saved and so did his whole family. Like that's what he valued. Paul valued kingdom things. Paul valued, hey, even, even when I'm in my worst situation, I know that God can do something. And I know that he's going to use it for something awesome. And so, yeah, I'm in prison and my reputation is shot. But people are coming to the Lord. And, and Paul found value in that. Which again, that turns what the world thinks upside down. How is that possible, Paul? You don't have the accolades. People hate you. How are you happy? We live in such a shallow like, culture now where the people don't like you on social media. You know, you're, canceling is the worst thing in the world. I would just cancel myself, honestly. I don't want to play that game. But anyways, I'm going off into a tangent and let's get back to the sermon. Um, Paul didn't care about what people thought. He just cared about what God cared about. And if it meant him having to suffer, for him it was, it was gain. Do we believe that? Like seriously, I'm asking, like, do we believe this? Do we believe, I seriously want you to consider what I'm saying. 
Do you believe that suffering for Jesus is better than thriving for man? Do we believe that suffering for Jesus is better than thriving for man? Like in other words, do we believe that even if we're going through the worst thing in the world but God is doing something, will we take that and know that Jesus is going to get glorified over having an easy, peaceful life where everybody loves you and everything's great? What's the value there? What's the end game? What's the eternal ramifications there? So we don't need to add to the gospel, right? Because righteousness comes from faith in Jesus, period. Our confidence is in Jesus, not ourselves. And Paul is trying to tell us that suffering for Jesus is better than thriving without him. And let that mess with your theology a little bit. It's not all rainbows and butterflies. Paul experienced great suffering here on earth, but he counted it as gain. Because again, th- this gospel, this faith that we believe in, it, it's, it's so much deeper than just shallow exterior nonsense. It's deeper than that. And so where does our joy come from? Where does our righteousness come from? Let's check out verse 12. Paul says, Not that I have already obtained this or I am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Let's stop right there. So Paul talks about, so again, he's unpacking like, hey, don't add to the gospel. Let's keep it pure. Hey, don't be self-righteous. Like, don't add. Don't, don't, don't make it about these secondary issues, right? Like, if that's what you want to do, hey, great, awesome. But don't force it on other people, right? He's saying how, how we need to value the things of God. Like, our value system needs to shift, right? Like, like see suffering and, and, and tragedy almost as an opportunity for the Lord to do something. And don't see it as, you know, my, my life sucks and everything's horrible and I want to be Logan Paul. No, 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 don't, don't see it as that. See, see what God is doing as the most valuable thing. But then he transitions and he says, not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect. In other words, he's saying, but note that I haven't arrived. The Apostle Paul is saying, I'm made righteous by Jesus and, and he's where my goodness comes from, but I haven't arrived. Like there's still work for me to do in this thing. Because like, yes, our righteousness comes from Jesus, but we can't forget that the gospel responding to the gospel is literally us saying, Jesus, I'm wrong, you're right. Whatever you say is true and whatever I previously believed is wrong. Like that is responding to the gospel. It's leaving everything and saying, God, whatever you want, even if it means I'm going to lose everything, even if it means I will lose relationships, even if it means I will lose a business, I am giving everything up for you and your purposes and your cause. That's responding to the gospel. And when we do that, we, we receive Jesus' righteousness. We're made right from that. But Paul is saying, but there's still work for us to do. Like, we're not over. Like, this thing isn't over. And Paul, Paul is like the greatest Christian of all time. And even he's saying, I haven't arrived. Like, there is more that Jesus wants to do in my life. And I have to be willing to allow him to do it. Like, I have to continue to say, Jesus, yes, you're right. Jesus, I'm going to reject this sin. Jesus, this is what you say. Okay, now this is what I say. Like, it's a continual, lifelong process. We haven't arrived. We haven't arrived. There is more that Jesus wants to do in you and in me. And it's a, it's a, it's a process of committing ourselves to becoming more and more like Jesus. And so this kind of seems a little contradictory, right? Like, 
So Paul's saying our righteousness comes from faith, but he's saying that, that he's, he's going to continue in trying to make this righteousness his own. What's going on there? Well, there's two different attitudes there, especially because you're like, but he condemned the, the Jews in the beginning. There's two different attitudes. Paul's explaining, he's displaying the attitude of, of God, what do you want from me? Like, God, how can I please you? God, what do I need to change? God, what are my, my weaknesses? What are the things that, that, that you need to call out in my life, God? And that's called sanctification. That's, that, that's being committed to being more and more like Jesus as this life goes on. The other attitude that he's up against is not focused on, God, what can I do? But it's focused on, hey, so this is what you need to do. This is what you need to do to be spiritual like I am. And that's self-righteousness. And that's what Paul is condemning here. Yeah, no, no, no. We, we are supposed to continue to change and strive for righteousness. But personally, let me worry about myself and get myself right before I'm looking and pointing fingers at others. Sanctification versus self-righteousness. And he says this in verse 12 or continuing reading, he says, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining toward what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So again, he's like, listen, I haven't arrived. Me, the Apostle Paul, I haven't arrived yet. There's still work for me to do. I still need to make this righteousness my own. I still need to continue to surrender more and more to Jesus. That's the process that I'm committed to. But here's one thing that I do. I forget what lies behind. The wins, the losses, I, I forget about that. And my eyes go here. My eyes go forward to what lies ahead. And I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, whether this prize that he's talking about, it gets debated amongst theologians, but they, they either think it's the prize is Jesus himself, right? Like we're striving to, to get more and more of Jesus or simply just persevering in our faith and getting to that day where we will hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant. Regardless, those are both kingdom things. And Paul's adopting this attitude of, you know what, no matter what, good or bad, suffering or, 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 or triumph, I'm sticking with Jesus and I'm committing to living in his ways. Because there's a kingdom culture. There is a way that we need to go about things. Just like the Miami Heat have their culture. They have a DNA. There's a, there's a thought process there. There's, a, there's an attitude. There's things that are lived out. And they're all working towards that together. It's the same thing with kingdom culture. Paul is saying there is a way that we go about things. What we value determines what we commit to. What we value determines what we commit to. Paul valued Jesus. Paul valued kingdom things. So what did he commit to? He committed to kingdom things. He committed to the teachings of Jesus. He committed himself to becoming more and more like Jesus. Why? Because he valued that. And if we want to live kingdom culture and do kingdom things, we need to commit to kingdom ways. Like, you can't just be a Miami Heat player. 
You have to commit to the way that they do things. You need to adopt their DNA, their philosophy. You need to think like a heat player. And so if we want to live in a kingdom culture and do kingdom things, praise God, we need to commit to kingdom ways. Jesus has a way of doing things. And he can be trusted. He can absolutely be trusted. It's like the heat. But Paul is saying, so forget about what's behind you, good or bad, because more good and bad is ahead of you. It's just, it's, it's how it is. More good and bad is ahead of you. But guess what? There's a prize right there, and I can see it. Like, like that's our motivation. That, that's the target. We, we know that we are getting Jesus. And to Paul, that was the game. That, yeah, life is, life is going to be crazy. You're going to go through horrible things, 100%. But at the end, there's a prize there, and that prize is Jesus. Verse 15, let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. What is Paul saying here? We're not going to agree on everything. Like, we're not going to agree on every single little piece of theology. And, and, and Like, listen, some of you don't like tattoos. Some of you do. Some people think, think it's bad to wear hats in church while I'm preaching in one. There are things that we're not going to agree on. But Paul is saying, like, and that's fine. If that's your own personal conviction, dude, don't, don't obey your conscience, but keep that between you and the Lord. And let's not make it a gospel issue because we don't want to add to the gospel. Now, there are some primary issues some, some non-negotiables that Jesus is like, yeah, so this is where we stand on this, and that's where we need to be united. Like Paul says there, he says, he says only let us hold true to what we have attained. In other words, there are, there are primary, primary issues. I like to call it, there are Christ's convictions, things that he is explicitly clear on, and then there's secondary issues, personal convictions. We need to be united in the Christ's convictions. The things that the Bible is 100% clear on. And the secondary issues, come on, man. Let's not separate because of those things. But let's make the main thing the main thing because that's the last thing with this kingdom culture is we need to be together. Kingdom culture only works when we come together. You can't do this on your own. You, the Heat can't win a basketball player with one guy on the court. There's five on the court and there's another five or six on the bench. We need to come together. Not allow these secondary things, not allow ourselves to be self-righteous and say, well, you need to do this like me. Is it a, is it a primary issue? Is it a Christ conviction? No? Oh, okay, then respectfully, shut your mouth. In the name of the Lord, of course. <laughs> We're not going to agree on everything, but kingdom culture requires us to be united because we're better together. You see, the Miami Heat lost in the NBA Finals. So by the outward, the world's like, okay, yeah, they made it far, but they lost. The Miami Heat, they're not counting it as a loss. It looks like a loss to the world, but the Heat are actually positioned to get Damian Lillard. There's a really good basketball player that's going to completely change the trajectory of, of, of the team. So even in a loss... The Heat are saying, no, 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 but what's next? Let's, yeah, yeah, okay, that's behind us. What's ahead? What is God doing here? 
You know, what, 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 what are we doing as a team? What's the next move? And as a Christian, our mindset is, what is God doing? Okay, yeah, yeah, that's great. That's cool. We accomplished some stuff, but we've gone through some failure. Okay, fine. But what's next? What is God doing here? That, that's, that's the mindset. They're committed to heat culture. And we need to be committed to kingdom culture. People say that we're going to hell in a handbasket. Maybe we are. Maybe you're in the toughest season of your life. Maybe you're just losing. Just feels like you're losing, like nothing is breaking right. Like maybe it just looks really bad. But can I tell you that even in that, there can be joy? Can I tell you that that it's not over and God is still working? Can I tell you that He is working all things out? for his good and his glory. Can I tell you that he is enough? It's not him and my career. It's not him and my status. It's not him. He is enough even in suffering. Can we trust in kingdom culture to continue to accomplish the purposes of God, which are... Guys, this is long-term stuff. This is big-picture stuff. This is eternity. That's where God's focus is, is is how can we get more people to cross that line over into glory? And yeah, son, daughter, you're going to suffer, but I promise that I can use that for my glory, and in the end, there's a prize that is worth every single bit of it. Will we not add to the gospel, but instead put our faith and trust in Jesus? Will we value what he does and count him as enough? Will we commit to his ways, trusting in him? Will we strive for the prize, holding on to what is most important and be there for each other? Will we change the way that we think and adopt a kingdom mindset? Paul ends Philippians 3 on this passage here, verse 20. He says, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a savior the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. That is the hope that we have in Jesus, is that we know that things will be made right. That's the hope. That's the goal. We know that Jesus is coming. We know that when when this is over for us, we know that He's going to redeem us completely. No more pain, no more sin, but paradise with the Father. Like, come on. Like, that is is worth all the suffering in the world to get to that point. But do we believe that? You see, the heat, their aspirations is to win championships, and that's great. But we await Jesus who will make all things right. That's our championship. That's that's the goal. That's what we put in the work. That's why we stay committed. That's why we do the things is because we know what's coming. With all heads bowed and eyes closed, end this in prayer. God, we thank you for... God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for for Jesus. God, we thank you for your grace. God, we thank you for your righteousness, God, that covers us, Jesus. 
God, I, I, I pray for anyone in the room, God, that maybe hasn't made this decision official, God, who hasn't responded to the gospel and become committed to you, God, become a Christian. If that's you in the room, it's a matter of just giving Jesus control of your life, handing over the keys. He's the driver. And it's a simple prayer that goes like this. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for me because I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I'm against you. I know that my ways are against you. And I'm acknowledging that you are right, that you are true, and that your ways are the way. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin, to make me right with you, and help me to give everything up for you. I give you the keys of my life. It's no longer my opinions, but it's yours. I'm trusting in your word, trusting in your church. Jesus, save me here and now. I give you everything, and I'm committed to living in your ways and in your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. With all heads bowed and eyes closed, if you made that decision this morning, would you be so bold with all heads down and eyes closed? Would you be so bold to just raise your hand right where you are? Amen. Praise God. Anybody else? Amen. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise God. We're going to have a time of worship now. You may stand and at the end of the service, if you want prayer, there will be people up here to pray with you. But please stand and join me in worship.
called grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. but definitely gospel and the scripture says we will suffer however that hope that hope that is alone in Christ thank you Mikey for that word go ahead and have a seat everyone I'm gonna go ahead with some announcements and close us out today my name is Rebecca and I am grateful to be here with everyone today we have a few announcements guys starting August 6th have back to school. I know some of parents don't want to hear that yet, but it's right around the corner. And we are going to have a giveaway. This is a great time. Invite your, your family members, your friends, your neighbors that maybe don't come to church. We're going to have book bags. We're going to have haircuts and just stuff to get everyone back ready for school. But without the hope of Jesus Christ, we got to take him everywhere. So it's a good time to bring your friends over and the power of inviting someone to church on Sundays. August 6th, we are also starting our 21 days of prayer and fasting. We're starting a new sermon series on encounter and we're looking for everyone. You know, it's not about us. We just heard that today. So come and have an encounter with Jesus Christ and that will change our lives. So we're gonna have more information on what those 21 days are gonna look like coming up soon. Also, ladies, women's retreat, October 22nd, I mean 7th through 29th. Let's go ahead and save the date. Looking forward to what God will do 
in that weekend. And also August 6th, we are going to have a night of worship at our Homestead campus. So let's make our way over there. We know that worship is what we give to God. You know, we come and hear his word that it's for it to work in us and do the work in us. But what do we do for him? And there's power in worship, guys. Don't miss it. That's August 6th at 6 p.m. at the Homestead campus of Renew Church. And last but not least today, we have Growth Track next well, in a couple of weeks, August 13th. If you haven't been through Growth Track, speak to myself or any other leader here at Renew Church, and we'll tell you how you can connect to even serve with us. There's a lot of kingdom serving and culture that goes with every week here at Renew Church. So we are going to take a quick look at a video. Hi, my name is Evan Lynch, and I took the 90 Day Tithe Challenge. Um, some ways that the Lord has blessed me uh, after taking this challenge was um, I got a new car. <laughs> well, my old car, I was, uh, it was actually destroyed basically in Hurricane Ian. And I took this challenge thinking, oh, well, you know, let me just, my, my parents are always telling me, you should always tell me, you should always tell me. But um, I was like, you know what, let me just do this and, you know, see if any fruit comes of it. And to my surprise, later on, I end up getting a new car, completely new, 2023, like brand new, um, with no cost to me, um, and it was it was it was truly a blessing, and I really 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 truly believe that it was a result of my decision to go ahead and start tithing regularly, and it was amazing. It was it was truly an amazing experience. On top of the fact that, you know, I just have been blessed in other ways so much, and it's it's truly it's truly recommended by, by yours truly. I I truly think that it's a great decision um, in your walk to step forward and start contributing, and um, and then the Lord will bless you. He really will. All right, guys. So thank you, everyone, again. We are going to wrap up our giving. We have three ways to give here at Renew Church. The first one is the envelopes in the back of your chairs, offerings, your tithes in there. Drop it on a bucket on the way out. Our second way of giving is www.renew.miami forward slash giving. And last but not least, text to give. 786-565-1165 and I will go ahead and close us out in prayer. Bow our heads. Father, we thank you, God. and We give you glory and honor and thank you, Lord, for the privilege of calling upon your name, God, and knowing that you incline your ear to hear us, Lord, your children, God. Lord, I thank you for this time. I thank you for this powerful word. I thank you for all of my brothers and sisters here in all of our services and homestead. Just may this word, Spirit of God, work in our minds and our hearts throughout the week. Lord, thank you for tithes and offering. Thank you for those that can give, those that can't. Lord, let you be 
their provider. May you manifest yourself to us in every single area of our lives, God. With a special blessing to my brothers and sisters here today. We leave, God, this room, but never from your presence, God. And I bless them in Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Thank you all. Have a great day.